Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. If you've got your Bibles this morning, grab them. Um, we're actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this Easter message in a different way than I have many times before, so I'm not going to give you specific locations of scriptures, but we're going to have a lot of scripture interwoven into the message this morning. So you've, you've got your Bibles, I had you do that, um, but just mostly I want you to experience, and, and catch that word this morning, experience the Easter, the Good Friday, the Palm Sunday. I want you to experience what that was like. Because I, I really believe, to, I mean, today's Easter, you all came knowing I was going to preach an Easter message, right? I mean, you're not expecting me to preach Mother's Day today. You would have been shocked and upset if I had done that. Um, but sometimes we, we hear the Easter message so often it loses something. We know the facts and the figures and the scriptures, but it loses the experience piece of it. And I, I hope this morning maybe I can help you get that back. So I want you to imagine something with me, okay? I mean, part of the reason we lose it is it happened 2,000 years ago in a whole different world, culture. It was a very different time. But imagine with me this morning, what if, what if Easter and Good Friday and Palm Sunday and Jesus coming had taken place in the 21st century? What would it have looked like? Imagine with me this morning what it might have been if all of a sudden now we're using text, social media, the Twitter, right? We're using, we're using uh, smartphones. We're using all those things to, to share what's going on. Imagine what that might have been like, and I want to do that this morning. Now, as we get ready for this, I want to set the stage just a little bit. Let's go back 2,000 years, and let's talk about the world that Jesus did come into. Humanity was a mess. Humanity is pretty much, anybody agree with me on this? Humanity is a bit of a mess today. We haven't really gotten a whole lot better, not a whole lot, but I want you to think with me, in the days that Jesus came onto this earth and stepped onto this stage, Rome was in control, Rome was the power, they were the civilized world, they were the civilized nation of the world, they called everybody outside the Roman Empire, they were considered barbarians, and rightfully so. So Rome was civilized, Rome was the epitome of human decency and appropriateness, and this Rome was also the place where they executed people publicly on a regular basis by hanging them on a cross. That was the civilized world. This is the Rome that, for entertainment, they had the gladiatorial games, and they would bring gladiators into the arenas, uh, and they would let them fight to the death, and people would come in, and they would watch, and they would laugh, and they would clap, and they would gamble on who was going to win. And uh, It's Easter, so... I, I won't go too far, but what body part was going to get cut off first? I mean, that was, that was the civilized world, right? This Rome was the place that in those arenas they would bring in, eventually start bringing in Christians, but others, they would bring them in and they would open up the gates and, and let wild animals come and they would, they would laugh and they would applaud while they were torn apart. That was the civilized world. It was the world of slavery. It was, it was a pretty, that was the civilized world. It was pretty rough. The world was a mess. This was the civilization. This was the civilized world that had control over Israel, had control over Judea, had control over the, the people of God, had control over Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And, and they kept Jerusalem, they kept Bethlehem, they kept all of Nazareth, they kept uh, Judea, they kept all of those places, kept them under their thumb 
by force of brute. And the idea of the peace of Rome, you've heard Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome was kind of a joke because it was peace only because they were so brutal and so rough and they, they were what they were. The people were looking for something. They were looking for, listen to me, folks, they were looking for a savior. I mean, if you lived in, in, in Israel in those days, you didn't have to look very far to realize, man, humanity is broken, a mess, and we need help. People were looking for a Savior. They were looking for a Messiah because within the, Israel, the Jewish world, they knew there was a Messiah to come, and they were looking for that Messiah. They were looking for somebody to step in, somebody they could follow, somebody that they could latch on to, somebody that they could believe in, somebody that, that was going to come and set them free. Because it wasn't, And it wasn't just a matter of, of the uncivilized, civilized Romans that were causing all the oppression, all the problem. Listen to me. They still had the same problems we have today. Marriage is falling apart. Kids in rebellion, parents being derelict, neighbor hating neighbor. I mean, they still theft and, and, and injustice in the world. They still had all, had all the stuff that we still have today. They just had all of the Roman stuff on top of that. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for somebody. And I'll say this to you this morning, folks. Listen, we don't have Rome and we don't have gladiators and arenas yet. we're still pretty broken. And we still need a Messiah, and we still need a Savior. We still have violence in the streets. We still have criminals. We still have injustice in our systems. We still have all those things. We still need a Messiah, and we still need a Savior. So this morning, let's do this. Let's experience, and I hope, I hope you can do this with me. I hope you can experience the excitement of that they felt when they thought they finally realized they begin to believe we found the one. We found the one. We found the one worthy of being followed. Hope was born. I mean, they thought, they thought maybe we found the Messiah. They went and told their brother and their neighbor and they saw Jesus call the 12 apostles. They saw him do that. And the apostles, they begin to follow him. And then disciples begin to follow him. Others beyond the 12 begin to follow him. And people begin to listen to his teachings. And they saw the miracles. They saw the blind eyes opened up. They saw the, the, the deaf here. They saw the demon-possessed set free. They saw God heal those that were, were, were affirmed with leprosy. They saw him raise the dead. I mean, this has got to be the guy. This has got to be the one. This has got to be the Messiah. Look at what he's doing. Look at what he's teaching. Then it got hard. All of a sudden, some of the stuff he was teaching became challenging because he all of a sudden stands up and says, you know what, don't commit adultery. But oh yeah, you need to watch your heart because if you look on a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery. He says, don't murder, but oh yeah, you've got to watch your heart. This isn't just any longer an action issue. Now this is a heart issue because if you hate a man, you've already committed murder in your heart. He looks at him and he says, listen, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. And they were living in a day and an age whenever it was thought the richer you were, the more spiritual you must be because the blessings of God are being poured out upon you. And they looked at Jesus and said, how can anybody make it to heaven? And Jesus looked at him and said, well, with God, all things are possible. See, this got difficult. Remember those Romans? 
We don't, we don't usually put these two pieces together, but Jesus looked at them and said, love your enemies and those that despitefully use you. And we think of, you know, the guy next door that, that does bad things to my fence. We don't think of the Romans that have been persecuting, offending, and attacking the people of God. Love your enemies. And it gets hard. All of a sudden, Jesus starts talking with a Samaritan woman, and you didn't talk with a Samaritan woman if you were an appropriate person. You didn't talk to a Samaritan woman if if you were a proper, and you certainly didn't talk to a Samaritan woman that had six husbands and was now shacked up with the latest. You didn't talk to people like that, and Jesus did. Jesus went and spent most of a day with this woman. It got hard. Jesus defended a woman caught in adultery, defended her so effectively as the disciples stood around and watched. He defended her so effectively that it was done. There was nobody else to accuse her, and he looks at her and says, go forth and sin no more. It got hard because that isn't the way it worked, Jesus. I don't know what you're thinking, but we're ready to follow you and see Rome cast out, but that's not the way it works, Jesus, and it got hard. All of a sudden, he started. He spoke about calling himself equal to God. If you see me, you've seen the Father. And then he began to tell other people, I've, your sins are forgiven you. I can do that. And they weren't quite sure about that. And then the spiritual leaders, people with the really big ministries, the people that flew the jets, the people that wrote the books, the people that had the big following, they began to look at Jesus and say, no, no. No, don't follow him. We're, gonna, we're, we're not following him. They begin to reject Jesus. And it got hard. And a lot of people unfollowed. You saw it. A lot of people unfollowed. If it was in the 21st century, we would watch it happen right on Twitter, wouldn't we? That's exactly where it would take place. Ask Donald Trump. He'll tell you. <laughs> right? But there were... There were some of his followers that, I, I mean, they, they had to wonder. They, I, listen, I, I can't prove this scripturally, but I got to believe. There were some people that had heard the rumors about Judas. Even, even one of his apostles was getting ready to defect. But despite that, there were those, the, the other 11, and there were others that hung on. And I can only imagine, is that we've been with Jesus for three years. We've been waiting for this, this man, this Messiah. We've been waiting for this to happen. We believe in him. We've been following him. We've been trusting him. And, we're, and, and we don't understand, and it's gotten hard, and I, I'm having questions, and I'm having my doubts, but we're going to hold on because Passover's coming, and there'll be no more appropriate day than Passover to have this Jesus step in and declare to the Romans what God had declared to the Egyptians hundreds of years, thousands of years earlier, get out of my land, leave my people alone, set my people free. And they were following Jesus. They were waiting on Passover because they thought maybe this is the moment. And Palm Sunday came, and Palm Sunday looked good. I mean, think about this. I preached it last week. Palm Sunday looked good. Jesus rode in on the colt of a donkey. He rode in as a king. People laid down the palm branches. They laid down their cloaks before him. He rode in like a king, and it was looking good. And those that had stuck with Jesus were like those that sometimes stick with a stock they bought, okay? It goes down and down and down, and then it goes up. They're like, yeah, I had this right. I knew I had this right. Yes. Or, may, okay, maybe stock doesn't resonate with you guys. How, how about who are you supporting in the final four? The underdog, I don't know if they're the underdog or not, but if the underdog wins and you supported them all along, it's like, yeah, I knew, I told you, right? 
There, the, there were those that stuck with Jesus. And when Jesus rode in on the colt of a donkey uh, with palm branches being thrown down in front of him as a king, they knew we picked the right guy. We, we, we had this right. This is, go, this is going the right. And he came in and he cleared the temple. And they're thinking, yes, Jesus has taken some authority. And he's beginning to pu push out all this garbage and all this deceit and all this injustice. And he cleared the temple and it looked really hopeful. And I got to believe maybe even for some of them when he was arrested, they must have thought, Jesus, you're arrested. Maybe this is going to be the catalyst. Maybe this is going to be the thing that's going to make him finally say enough is enough. And he's going to stand up and say, hey, I'm king. Y'all come behind me and we're going to cast out these Romans. Even when he was arrested, I got to believe some people were buying it and believing it. That was the birth of hope. But then the death of hope started really soon because the next thing these followers that had hung with him begin to think was or begin to see was he was arrested. He was put on trial. He was beaten. He was forced to carry his cross to Golgotha. And the death of hope took place because they saw Jesus laid down on that cross and they saw the spikes driven through his hands and they saw him crucified. In that moment, hope died. Now listen to me. I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. We live on the resurrection side of the cross. We've already seen the end of the story. They lived on the not resurrection side of the cross. And you can argue whether they should have or shouldn't have. They weren't looking for a resurrection. They weren't expecting Sunday. They weren't expecting Easter. They weren't expecting the third day. I know he had told them. I know he had laid it out there for them. And I know it was a little cryptic at times. And I know they should have got it, but they, they, they did. If, if they would have been expecting the resurrection, I promise you, if they would have been expecting the, the, the resurrection on the third day, I promise you on Sunday morning there would have been 11 apostles and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and a whole lot of other people surrounding that tomb. They'd have been standing there just waiting. But they weren't, were they? And on that day, hope died. I got to ask myself, what went through their head in that moment? And I got to believe it was something like, what kind of fool have I been? Anybody here ever do anything stupid? You can raise your hand because I really don't want to be the only one. Okay, thank you. What fools we've been, what have we done? We've given up everything and we've given up our families because a lot of them had. We've given up our finances because a lot of them had. We've given up our businesses to follow this man. We've lost respect and honor within our community as we followed this man. How could we have believed anything he said? How could we have believed it when he said, if you see me, you've seen the Father? How could we, how, how could we have ever believed when he said, I forgive you of your sins? How could we have ever believed his promises when he, says, when, when he said to them, I've not come into the world to condemn the world, but to say, how could we have believed any of that stuff? How could we have believed the promises of this guy? I mean, you ever beat yourself up? Uh, there was some real beating going on the day after the crucifixion. How can we believe it when he said to us, I go to prepare a place for you and where I go, you may be also. How can we believe that? How can we have been that dumb? How could we have ever believed that he, when he said, ask anything in my name? How? What was the matter with us? Now what do we do? And some of them went back fishing. They went back fishing. Some of them, some of them went and hid because they thought they might be next. Some of them went and hid. Some of them went fishing. Some of them just wandered around in a daze. Jesus walked up on them later, some of them on, on the road to Emmaus, because he's dead. That's the experience. 
And I wonder, was anybody looking? I, you know, based on Scripture, I got to say, I don't, I don't, maybe there was somebody looking. Maybe there was somebody that really knew, but I don't think so. There weren't very many waiting for the resurrection on that third day. Death of hope's a rough thing. These people were despondent and not looking. Without the resurrection, Friday really is just another day that another criminal hung on another cross in another world. And it's no big deal. A lot of people were crucified. A lot of criminals. Because of Easter, though, we know Friday was something special. Because of Easter, we, we know these things. Because of Easter, we have hope, we have promise. Watch this last video with, with us today. Number three. is because of Easter. Everything changed, right? Because of Easter, everything changed. Because of Easter, we know that when he said, I am the Son of God, he's the Son of God. Because of Easter, because, because he rose from the dead whenever he said, and let me look at each one of you, okay? When he said to you, I forgive you of your sins, we know he had power to When this Jesus said, ask anything in my name, according to my authority and my will, ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you because of the resurrection. We know we can trust that promise. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Anybody have family they look forward to seeing one day? We know because of the resurrection that we can hold on to the God. If it hadn't been for the resurrection, Friday would have been just another condemnation of another criminal on another cross 2,000 years ago. Now, they didn't know, but we do. They didn't know, but we do. And here's where I would bring this to a close. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I, I want you to think about this because some of you may be here. Maybe your hope has been challenged. Maybe it's become hard and you're wondering, is he still worth following? Anybody here ever hear a point where it gets hard? God, my hope is struggling. My faith is struggling. My heart is, I won't say it with my mouth, but my heart is saying, is he still worth following? Is he still worth following? 
See, we live on the other side of the resurrection, and we know what they didn't know, but we're going through the same thing they went through. We just happen to know He's risen. And here's what I would say to you this morning. He's still risen. What's the promise you need today? What is the promise of God that you need to grab a hold of today that you've been wondering, can I hold on to that promise? Because this Easter Sunday, I'm telling you, whatever that promise is, Hang on to it. Healing. Restoration. Salvation. Deliverance. What is the promise you need to grab a hold of this morning? Because of the resurrection, I can stand here as your pastor because I love you. I can stand here and say to you, God's promises are still true. Because He's still risen. He's still risen. He's still risen. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray over you this morning. I want to believe God with you. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I need to grab a hold of a promise, a promise of God, and I need to hang on with all I'm worth, and I need God to move. And I'm so glad I can hang on to the resurrection because I know the promise is true. If that's you, if you're, if you're needing a promise this morning, if you're hanging on to a promise, if you're beginning to grab a hold of a promise, will you put your hand up? And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to believe God with you today. Father, every hand lifted in this room. Every heart that's challenged. Every family that's dealing with a trial. Every body that needs healed. Every promise of God is true. And this morning we grab a hold of the promises. And we hang on doggedly. We hang on in faith. We hang on because... We know that you rose, therefore everything you've said is true. And I pray this morning, God, for your blessing. I pray this morning, God, for your healing. I pray this morning, God, for your deliverance. I pray this morning, God, for your restoration. I pray this morning, God, for your encouragement. I pray this morning, God, may you put joy in the hearts of your people. I pray, God, this morning, may you lift up in the middle of the darkness. I pray, God, this morning, may you deliver out of the darkness. I pray this morning, God, may you rebuke the devourer on our behalf. I pray this morning, God, may you bless your people beyond what they can imagine. I pray this morning, God, you put deep in our spirit the promise of eternity, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of grace and mercy, the promise of salvation, the promise of God, our deliverer, the promise of our hope beyond this life. God, I pray your promise of blessing in this life. Lord, I pray, God, make it real, not just in our minds, but in our hearts today. Because the resurrection we celebrate, because the resurrection we stand upon, because the resurrection we know to be true, because of the resurrection we know everything else you said is a promise. Lord, we celebrate you. In Jesus' name. I want you to watch this last video with me this morning. We talk about celebration. They didn't know what was coming, but I want you to see this. If it was the 21st century, this is what it might have looked like when they found out he rose. Watch this. Thank you.
Long ago, this is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. If you can walk out of here today with that sense of rejoicing, this day is a success. He's still risen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com. 